Welcome to Brighton Adventure Story Podcast. Chapter 16. The Green Hands Gang. Despite being back on a tarmac road, James was still being jostled around hard in the back of the car. He was stuffed right behind Jenny, trapped between the front wheel of his bike and the door, with no way of getting a seatbelt on. The best he could do was wedge himself with one foot against the back of Jenny's seat. Zen and Bobby were on the other side of the bike wheel. The handlebar was angled across their laps, like the safety bar of an old roller coaster. It looked like Zen was enjoying the ride. Bobby was still clutching his shoulder and moaning. Mum and Dad are not going to be pleased, Annabelle said, leaning forward to look out of the windscreen. Look at all those dents in the bonnet. The car swerved hard to the left, and Annabelle quickly sat back down and corrected. Just concentrate on driving, Jenny said. If we're lucky, we can park it where it was and deny ever touching it. That's easy for you to say. You're not one of the three people insured to drive it. You can blame us if you want, Zen said. We don't mind. I'm not sure that would help, Jenny said. They'd know we were lying if we said two rats drove the car onto the golf course. You can use a sucker, James said, to pull the dents out. I've got a powerful one stuck on the window of my bedroom with a hook attached. The dashboard clock said it was nearly 8am. He was late. But I can't get the sucker now, though, he said. I was only supposed to be out for half an hour. I'll have to say I got another puncture. But Mum and Dad won't be happy. They're strict about the lockdown rules. Bobby let out a long groan. Zen twisted round to help his friend get comfortable. How is he? James asked Zen. Will he be all right? Aye, Zen said. He'll live. But this dog treat has seen better days. Zen pulled a mangled strip of dried meat from under Bobby's battered leather smock. The beast chomped right through it, Bobby moaned, and I was saving that for later. Better the chew than you, Zen said. I don't want to have to fight that thing again any time soon. Neither do I, James said, but then I probably won't be allowed out of the house until after the weekend. That's why we need the Green Hands gang, Jenny said, as many of us as possible. We can't set the gang against the long man, James said. Skady would tear us apart. Let's not go after him directly. Let's first get rid of the drop lifters. Hey, Annabelle said, swerving hard. James was flung into the door, and his head hit the window with a thunk. Pothole, sorry, Annabelle said. Can't you leave the drop lifters out of it? The club was the only place I could feel relaxed in. The drop lifters are helping the long man, Jenny said, and they're not socially distancing, so they have to be stopped, and I think I have an idea how. Not socially distancing, Annabelle said, like us and him. She jerked her head back toward James and braked. Everyone lurched forward. James's face was squashed into the back of Jenny's seat. Well, he's different, Jenny said, because he's your boyfriend. James felt his face go slightly red. He's not my boyfriend, Jenny said. He's got a deadly poison in his blood, being battled by a magical antidote that's keeping him alive. Between those two, the virus doesn't stand a chance. Oh. They drove the last few minutes to James's in silence. Annabelle swung the car into the bus stop at the end of his road. By the time he'd got his bike out, he was nearly an hour late. He stuck a fingernail in a valve and let the air out of his front wheel. That would have to do for his excuse. Jenny said that they would drop the rats off at the clock tower before going home. Thanks to the dog chew, Bobby's shoulder wound was not so deep. Zen said they could get it fixed up back in Ratterston. 
Now that she was out of isolation, Jenny could use her house phone and have some time on a laptop to communicate. James waved them off and trudged back home. He was not looking forward to lying to his mum about why he was late. Half an hour later, he was up in his room on his netbook. Thankfully, his parents had believed him about the puncture. Less pleasant was the lecture he'd had to listen to about the importance of following the rules. Going outside was a risk. Half an hour was a controlled risk. It wouldn't be forever. The more everyone stuck to the rules, the quicker lockdown would be over. James had heard it all before. He didn't bother to point out that he spent more time outside going to and from school than on his daily exercise. He just nodded and said sorry. Next time he would stay closer to the house. And take a repair kit and a pump. He couldn't even imagine what their reaction would be if they found out what he had really been doing. He put that thought out of his head and set his mind to the task at hand. Jenny's idea had been simple. Put the droplifters out of action. Make stealing parcels worse for them than normal lockdown. Two possibilities presented themselves to James. Trick parcels and ambushing. But he knew that the Green Hands gang would come up with ideas of their own. Then he thought about bikes and his annoying puncture earlier that morning, not to mention the fake puncture excuse he'd just used. Most of the droplifters were on bikes. Remove their bikes and it would be much harder for them to follow the delivery drivers around. First things first, he needed to send messages out to members of the Green Hands gang. There were a few members of the gang at his school. He certainly didn't want to do any gang communications through the school systems. The idea that teachers could find out what they were planning was appalling. Before he contacted anyone, he created a chat server for them to use. It wasn't difficult. Gamers did it all the time to communicate with each other in-game. He was already a member of a load of different servers, and now he had his own one. Next, he sent emails via the school system with a link to his new chat server. He also added instructions to include anyone else that could be trusted. They would need as many new members as they could get. After that, he had breakfast. He was starving and could still remember the smell of freshly baked bread that had lingered outside Raven's Bakery. By lunchtime, the chat server was buzzing. The initial messages were just from him and Jenny, explaining the situation. They covered the Longman and Skady, Teddy's adventures in Ratterston, the Droplifters, and the club. But once everyone was up to speed, the messages were flying. James had to set up separate channels for different discussion topics. These included Droplifter sightings, List of break-ins, How to make fake Amazon packages, Water bomb ambush techniques, Glue and sticky boxes, Water pistol or modified nerf, and even topics that James hadn't thought about at all, like Best foods for rat relief packages, Locations to leave rat foods, Reasons to buy flour, Polecat sightings, Rockery and elm patrol, Non-gang business. The rat packages had been Wilf's idea. He and his brother Laurie had kept rats as pets and had an affinity for the creatures. Wilf reasoned that even if Ratterston residents couldn't go out, that didn't mean food couldn't go in. His brother Laurie even made a rotor for when to leave the relief packages out. So now there were three main objectives. Feeding the rats of Ratterston, protecting the stone of Brighthelm, and all the time watching out for the long man and Skady. 
Fred worked out how to include an interactive map of the town in one of the channels. He made three layers, one for droplifter sightings, one for rats relief locations, and one to list the break-ins. Non-gang business chat was fascinating to James. The children used it mostly to talk about what they'd been up to since lockdown began. It turned out that most of them were in similar positions, staying at home and not going out. It made James even more happy that he spent three days a week in school. Some of the others had much more freedom, though, and said their parents didn't mind how much they went outside. That was good news to James. At lunchtime, James set up a group call and scheduled it for 5pm. It would be a chance to talk over all their plans. Between his ideas for disrupting the droplifters and catching up with everyone else through chat, the time flew by. There were already almost a dozen children chatting when James joined the group call. Unsurprisingly, it was Hugo's voice that dominated James's little notebook speakers. I'm not sure what all this fuss is about, he was saying. Why can't everyone just enjoy time at home? I spent most of yesterday floating around in the swimming pool. It was lovely. Because, James thought, most people in this country don't have a pool in their back garden. James didn't bother replying out loud. He simply hit the mute all button and the group was silenced. Hugo's user image kept flashing, which meant that Hugo was still talking, even though he was muted. Okay, James said. I've muted everyone, but that doesn't mean you can't speak. And you can still make comments in chat. I've made a new channel for this meeting. It's called During Calls. Everyone go to it and say hello. He waited and watched while people started saying hello and hi and yeet. Jenny joined the call and he unmuted her. How is Bobby? he asked. Fine, she said. When we dropped them at the clock tower he was still moaning, but I went down there an hour ago for exercise and he looked fine. Are they ready to start getting the relief packages? he asked. They are. They said that we can leave them in Preston Park, Blakers and Queen's Park clock towers and they'll be taken to Ratterston. The main clock tower in town is probably too noticeable. They also said that there would be more locations for deliveries tomorrow. That's great. Laurie, who is down to deliver the first packages? He unmuted the Wilf and Laurie user icon. It's Millie and Joe for Blakers, Mr E and Wayland for Preston Park, and Oliver for Queen's Park first, he said. Make sure there's plenty of tomatoes, Wilf chipped in. They love them. It's Friday tomorrow, James said. That's our best chance to disrupt the droplifters before the weekend. Jenny, did Annabelle give us any more information about where the droplifters go? They follow vans, not just delivery ones, as it's not always obvious. So if a van drives down your street, be ready. And, Jenny added, Annabelle says that there's three main hangouts, Withdean Park, Queen's Park, and the Patch in Hanover. That's apart from the club, but she says they only use the club at night. Juan's user avatar was flashing. He was trying to speak. James unmuted him. Is it all right if I get a friend to help me? Juan asked. He's not part of the gang, but he's a good boy. James knew that Juan was in year four at Balfour. It was probably good for the younger kids to work together. Sure, he said. Who is it? Yasser, Juan said. James didn't know him. Yasser's a friend of mine too, Laurie said. He'll be useful. James realised he hadn't muted Laurie and Wilf. He hit mute all, then unmuted himself and Jenny. That's fine, Juan, he said. Get Yasser to help. Any brothers and sisters can help too. Fred, I'm assuming that Elsie might be useful. He unmuted Fred. Yes, said Fred. We've been doing a long walk every day. 
it's a perfect chance to keep an eye on the rockery and the old elm tree. Everything was going well. Hugo was still flashing. James unmuted him. His voice blared into the speakers. And then I asked them why we couldn't have Italian on a Wednesday and Thursday, and then fish and chips on a Friday. James muted him again. He noticed that Oliver had asked a question in the During Calls chat channel. The question was, what should we do if we see the long man? If you see the long man or Skady, do nothing, James said. Don't go near them. Oliver, Jenny said, add any sightings of the long man to the map. We still don't know what his plan is. He wants the Stone of Brighthelm, and he knows where it is. The Sentinelms protect the stone, and now there's only one tree left. The long man said he was going to get it anyway, even without my help, so we need to be on the lookout. That's it for now, James said. Everyone make sure you're ready for tomorrow. Remember, we want to make it as uncomfortable for the droplifters as we can, but don't get yourselves into trouble. And don't go anywhere near the long man. The call was almost over. There was a flurry of messages in the chat. Everyone was super excited to have a mission during lockdown. Before he ended the call, James repeated the core message that Joe had expertly incorporated into the chat server's banner image. It was a simple three-part slogan. Feed the rats. Protect the stone of Brighthelm. Watch out for the long man. Hi, everybody. Thanks to everyone that has sent me a message because they want to be included in the Green Hand Gang. There is still plenty more gang business over the next few chapters, so if you want to be included, send an email to tom at brightonadventure.com. Thanks for listening. Thank <music> you.